Um, and really what inspired this talk um, is this week in um, Kintsugi Hope, we were talking about anger. And I started thinking about anger, the difference between um, anger that's motivated from a righteous cause and anger that is human and fleshly. But the, the word, the zeal of God, um, is a very interesting phrase. When you look up the definition of zeal, what does zeal mean? We don't really use the word zeal very much nowadays, but it means passionate, ardent, fiery, devout, or earnest, the zeal. If someone who is zealous, then they spend a lot of time or energy supporting something that they believe in very strongly. Um, and when I was about eight years old, my mum and dad believed very strongly that God was calling them to live in Jerusalem, in Israel. And so we sold our house in Australia where we were living and we moved to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, which you can imagine for uh, two little girls, my sister and I, was a very, very big change. And when we got there quite soon afterwards, it was the Feast of Tabernacles and there was lots of dancing and singing. And the song which stayed with me and hasn't left me since I was a child was a song that said, um, the zeal of God has consumed me. It burns within my soul, a mighty force that cannot be moved, a fire that cannot be quenched. And there was, everyone was dancing and singing. And for some reason, as an eight-year-old little girl, this song has never left me. The zeal of God has consumed me. It burns within my soul, a mighty force that cannot be moved, a fire that cannot be quenched. And at the end of my talk, I've asked Evan to play the song because of course I Googled it and it is on YouTube. <laughs> Everything's on YouTube. It's wonderful, isn't it? And so the zeal of God, what does it mean to be really on fire for God, to be consumed and not only like, not an emo just an emotion, but an actual commitment to follow Christ that will sustain us throughout our lives. Um, I've asked Pauline to read Isaiah chapter nine, as we do a little bit of a word study around the zeal of the Lord. Pauline, would you mind reading Isaiah chapter nine, verses one to seven now? <clears throat> Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors divided, dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms, bloodstained by war, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. 
he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Mm. Thanks very much, Pauline. So the passionate commitment of the Lord will make this happen. Um, and in the NIV version, it says the zeal of the almighty, the Lord almighty will accomplish this. How will this be done? How is it possible for God to create this kind of change to break the yoke that burdens us, to take the bar that's across our shoulders, to remove the rod of the oppressor? How is this done? How is this possible? And verse seven holds that kind of key where it says the passionate commitment or another word for that, the zeal, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And I take a lot of um, encouragement from this little gem of a word, zeal, um, because it kind of encapsulates more than just passion. It's more than just an emotion. It's a commitment to the kingdom of God, a commitment to follow Christ. Um, in Isaiah chapter 59, it says this, the Lord puts on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He puts on the garments of vengeance and wraps himself in zeal as in a cloak. And when the commentary I was reading said, as God wraps himself in zeal, like a cloak that's got lots of folds to it, 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 it envelops him, it conceals him. We also can wrap ourselves in the zeal of the Lord. We can put on the garment of praise. And Doreen has encouraged us many, many times during lockdown by staying focused and keeping her eyes fixed on Jesus. She's encouraged us to put on the garment of praise. And so I see the zeal of God as something that I can put on. So um, in the last few weeks, I'd say I've been really tested um, and been through a really difficult time. Um, really difficult time of sort of testing but I've been saying Lord help me help me hide myself in you help me wrap myself in zeal like a cloak and an example of zeal um, when we look at the life of Jesus um, can be found in John chapter 2 verse 13 to 17 and it's a few little verses but they are found in Matthew Luke and John I picked John and I'll just read you these few little verses which are quite a significant verses and will be familiar to you I'm sure. John chapter 2 verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And that's a quote from Psalm chapter 69, verse eight, where it says, because zeal for your house has consumed me, I have become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons. The zeal of the Lord, the zeal for God's house, for his temple has consumed me. And in Matthew 21, 
the version of the same story, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making a den of robbers or a den of thieves. And so we can see that Jesus was really stirred up. He was, he was riled. And if you look at a picture of the temple, it's important to understand the role of the temple to the Jews to get the full impact of why Jesus was so upset and angry. For Jews, the center of Jerusalem was the temple. The center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. And the center of the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant in which the holy and divinely inspired word of God rested. Sacred, holy, special, and something which set the Jews apart from every other nation was that they had been called to worship our holy God. Hence the choice of the song tonight, holy, holy, holy are you Lord. And so why is Jesus angry? Because when you look at a picture of the temple, you see that the outer courts were a place for people to gather for worship and prayer, but they had been turned into a marketplace. Now, it wasn't unusual for there to be um, animals on sale because people needed to purchase an animal for the sacrifice at Passover. And that was a, that was a custom that was well established, long established. And Bear in mind, this isn't Jesus' first time in the temple, of course not. We know that when he was about 11 years old, he traveled with his um, mother and father Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem in order to make the sacrifice at the temple to celebrate Passover. Many, many times Jesus had been in Jerusalem at the temple. So maybe it had been a, a growing sense of um, upset in his spirit that the temple, instead of being used as a house of prayer, instead of being a space that was set aside for the worship of God, of the holy God, it had become a marketplace. If you've ever been down to um, London, um, I grew up partly in London, and you, my mum would go down every Saturday morning early to Brixton Market, because she said that was the best place to get really good fruit and veg. And you'd hear two for a pound, two for a pound, come on love, let me interest you in a bargain. That's the kind of atmosphere that the temple had turned into, a marketplace. And not just that, but the market sellers were using scales that were unfair, that were cheating the people. They were actually robbing the people of their right to a fair price. So there's a combination here of reasons why Jesus was angry. It's hard sometimes for us to understand Jesus's anger unless we really understand how important the temple as a place of worship was to the Jewish people. And Jesus had compared he, even his own body to the temple when he said, I will tear the temple down in three days and rebuild it. We know that was a metaphor for the body of Jesus. And so the temple is extremely important and Jesus is getting angry because it is no longer a place of prayer. And one thing which must make God angry is when people stop others from coming to God in prayer, from coming to God in worship, when we obstruct one another, when we are negative about church, 
negative about coming together. Those things can be really harmful because actually the scripture is full of verses that, like the psalm that says, I was glad, very glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go. Let us go to the house of the Lord. And, you know, as we come out of lockdown, as inevitably we must do, we have found Zoom to be a very comfortable and very convenient. But actually, there is nothing that substitutes physically being present together and coming together as the body of Christ to worship and praise God. And on the 21st, Monday, the 21st of June, if all goes to plan, we will have permission to meet together, to take off our masks and to sing and worship God. What a glorious day that will be. <laughs> I can't wait. I don't know about you. I was glad, very glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so if we look once more at this passage where Jesus gets angry, we might be quite shocked. And I was having a chat with Emily. She came over this week. We were chatting about this. And Emily said, it is very, he is being very aggressive. And yes, Jesus is being aggressive. But what is his motivation? This afternoon, Tom brought a good word at the three o'clock service. What is the motivation of our heart? And here we have to look at the motivation with which Jesus was angry. He was angry against injustice. And I've been really stirred recently by the story of Christine Kane, who was an Australian leader from Hillsong Church, because in 2007, she visited Greece to visit um, some friends and give us a talk at a conference. And as she came in through the airport, she saw a whole wall dedicated to missing children, hundreds of missing children. And that night over dinner, she asked her host, why are so many children missing? And the lady said to her, it's a terrible, terrible story, Christine. Because we are a port city and because of where we are located geographically, hundreds of children are being kidnapped and sold into slavery by human trafficking. Terrible. When Christine returned home to Australia, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't eat. She said to her husband, we have to do something. I am so angry that these children are being robbed. These young men and young women are being robbed. They're being stolen. They're being trafficked. We have to do something. And her husband said, I agree. Let's fast and pray and ask God, what can we do? And so the global anti-human trafficking organization called A21 was born. Christine and her husband moved from Australia to Greece. They bought a house, they set up an office, they opened um, a, a, an office and, and launched this global anti-trafficking organization. In 2019, they rescued and secured hundreds of victims from child trafficking and they won 20 trafficking lawsuits. And believe me, it is not easy to find the perpetrators and bring them to justice. But Christine's anger against injustice fueled and motivated her to do something, to do something, to take action. So tonight, what are you passionate about? What is God stirring in your heart? 
because as lockdown eases, we will have the opportunity again once more to knock on people's doors and say, oh, we're having a barbecue, we're having a, a picnic on Begbrook Common with a bouncy castle. Would you like to come? Would you like to be part of this? What are you passionate about? I know I'm passionate about telling people about Jesus. And um, I'm sure we all are, but each of us have our own emphasis, don't we? The elderly or children or our neighbors. And God is stirring us to say, wrap yourself in zeal, put on a garment of salvation. Allow yourself to be moved to action. Because when Jesus turned over the tables, he wasn't just having a, a paddy, he wasn't just losing control. His anger was focused and directed at injustice. People were being cheated, not just out of their money, but out of the right to worship, out of the right to pray, out of the right to come into the presence of God. And that is why Jesus was angry. In your anger, do not sin, the Bible warns us. In your anger, do not sin. Take that anger, control it, direct it towards fighting injustice. That's the most important thing that we can do. So finally, in Acts 2, verse 42, we're given this encouragement in the New Testament. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to people who are in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And in Revelation 3, verse 19, we read, Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Be zealous and repent. So we're going to go into breakout groups now. Nice short talk um, and discuss what are you passionate about? Um, what are you passionate about? What do you long to see happen um, in the body of Christ in Waterbrook Church over the next sort of six months? What would you love to see happen? Um, where is your passions? Where do your passions lie? And um, it would be great to sort of chat and pray together in breakout groups um, for 15, 15 minutes, is that 